The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 230. Tuesday, November 12, 2013. This is the Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, episode 230. I am Rob, you are Greg. Yeah. 230. Wow. And eight years. <laughs> yes. More than eight years now. Yes. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> You're not excited? Uh, Eight years in the making. Well, we don't, we, I mean, we really don't have much to... <clears throat> to give to the fans as a celebration. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Alright, where do you want to begin? Well, we haven't... We haven't done, like, a topical show in a, a while we did uh we reviewed the chiller theater uh before that we had Cassine Gaines on with Ian Petrella from A Christmas Story and then before then we, we reviewed the New York Comic Con right so it's been a while uh, let's do it yeah uh, the first thing I would say is we got a comment on the website. Okay. On our last episode, 229. Oh, yeah, we did. Bob Lament. Yeah, he's a fellow podcaster, part of the uh, Overnight Scape. Underground. Uh, scape. <laughs> Landscape. I don't know. Overnight Scape Underground. O-N-S-U-G dot com. Right. So, uh, his, uh, I think this is his website, staticradio.com. I, I don't know if he's the only one doing a show on there, but I uh, think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, I guess his, uh, co-host, um, met Corey Feldman at some point. <laughs> Uh, about three years ago. Right. 
and uh, he uh, he alerted us to that and the fact that uh, this guy I guess went to uh, a musical performance right from Corey Feldman the Corey Feldman experience in 2010 yeah now this is bef- oh my god I I just went to the Corey Feldman website and the Ascension Millennium music was blasting ah so this is before the Ascension Millennium stuff. Um, Corey Feldman. So the, anyway, that guy said that he went to the show and that he got to, you know, meet Corey Feldman after it. I guess he got a picture with him, you know, whatever. Well, it's, um, it's I mean, he was kind of, uh, kind of hanging out with Corey Feldman. Oh, he was? Yeah, kind of. Like, just snapping pictures and hanging out. And... Oh, you listened to it? Yeah, yeah, I checked oh. it out. <laughs> Shocking, you've done some research. Well, come on. I always am prepared. Yeah. Uh, so, the other thing about Corey Feldman at the Chiller Theater was that I heard through my, uh, my, uh, my little spies that... The reason he was wearing sunglasses the entire day on Saturday, um, and the reason that he didn't want to take uh, many pictures or something like that on Friday night was that he was very high. Nah. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was so laid back. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if that, how true that was, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> wow. So, um, boy... I've got I've got stuff on my list here that is from like the summer. <laughs> All right. Well, let first we haven't gotten to. Let's start off with some celebrity deaths. Uh, I knew that was coming. So we have born March second, nineteen forty-two. Died October twenty-seventh, twenty thirteen. From surgical complications, 71 years old, musician Lewis Reed. Ah, uh, Lou Reed. Yeah. The Velvet Underground. Yeah. Are you a fan? Uh, I, I really, really wasn't into him either way. Oh, all right. Next. I know a lot of people like, you know, um, consider the guy like a legend, right? But I don't. I mean, you know, they only had Velvet Underground had that one big song, you know, the "Walk on the Wild Side." Well, that was Lou Reed. No, that was Velvet Solo. Underground. Nah, it was Lou. Reed. Oh, it was. I think so. Oh, I think I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was. It was Lou Reed. Yeah. Well, then, you know, not that I'm going to rank the guy's career based on how many hits they had, mm. but, you know. Uh, yeah, Lou Reed's song, Walk on the Wild Side. 1972, his second solo album called Transformer. Oh, really? Sort of like, uh, did he rip that off of Willem Shatner, who had previously released the transformed man oh <laughs> uh, yeah i know 
All right, so another one. Take a walk on the wild side. <laughs> another one. I said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Uh, okay, another do, one. Do do. All right. Do 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 do. All right, next. Born April 7th, 1939. Died August 31st, 2013. 74 years old. Died of a heart attack. Uh, interviewer David Frost. <laughs> David Frost? If anyone cares. Not really a celebrity. I'm just, whatever. David Frost interviewed everyone and shouted like this. Hello. All right, here's one that, that, that was mentioned on another show, but really quick, just to be uh, uh, thorough. Yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm just blowing my nose. Born April 12th, 1947. Died October 1st, 2013. 66 years old. Uh, author of military thriller books, Tom Clancy. Yeah. Which the author of The Hunt for Red October. Yes, for a million dollars. Starring the Scottish Russian. For a million dollars. Sean Connery, damn it. Next and, one. And also starring Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Alright, born March 6th, 1931. Died... October 25th, 2013, 82 years old, stuntman and director, uh, Hal Needham. <laughs> Hal Needham. Yeah, Hal Needham, uh, Cannonball Run, and, uh, uh, what was the other, uh, Hooper? Yep. Was that the, uh, the one? Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit, yes. Never saw any of them. What? Come on. I've never seen them. Ever saw Cannonball Run? What is it about? Uh, Running from a cannonball? No, it's a co it was a coast to coast illegal race. Oh. On foot? No, in a car. So why is it called Cannonball Run? I don't know, that's what they that's what they called it. Burt Reynolds was in it? Yes. Burt Reynolds was in it. Dom DeLuise. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Dean Martin. The what? Yes, uh, Roger Moore was in it. Wow. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people. Uh, Richard Keel. Uh, Jackie Chan. What? Yeah, Jackie Chan was in it. What? Yes. Nobody even knew who he was back then. Yeah, Farrah Fawcett was in it. Um... Yeah, a lot, a lot of people. Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> O.J. Simpson. No, he was not, no. All right, and then another one. Mm -hmm. What? And then they made a Cannibal Run 2, which was not as good. Um, uh, and that, they, that one wasn't as good. And then they made a Cannibal Run 3, but they didn't call it Cannibal Run because, like, nobody was in it anymore. They called it Speed Zone. Okay. And it starred John Candy. Ah. Never heard of it. So, uh, can you imagine a a coast-to-coast -coast race where the main guy is John Candy? 
I like John Candy. I know, but you wouldn't expect him to be like a race car driver. Oh, no. Alright, next one. Born October 19th, 1928. Died October 17th, 2013. 84 years old, almost 85 years old. Died of Parkinson's disease. Uh, cartoon producer and founder of Filmation, Lou Scheimer. Yes. Which for me is... is, is uh, I know Filmation had, hasn't existed in, I don't know, 20 years or so, but... I grew up with so many, enjoying so many Filmation cartoons. Yes, I mean, uh, you go right down the line. He-Man, Masters yeah. of the Universe, She-Ra. Fat uh, Albert. Fat Albert, the crappy Ghostbusters. <laughs> Come on. Star Trek. Yes, the Star Trek animated uh, uh, series, which was terrific. Brave Star, which I yes. like. Brave Star. Um... A lot of, I mean, and, and and even shows that were before our time, like in the in the nineteen yeah. sixties and seventies, like Tarzan and Zorro. Well, yeah, I mean, filmation. The kind of the big thing with them was that they were able to make these series and not spend a lot of money on them, and and make them very. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you say it, but very recyclable, I guess. You know, where uh, sound effects and and things like that were reused all the time. Music was reused on all the different shows, mm. you know. <laughs> well, even, I mean, they, you know, like a show like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which I like. Yeah. And and I, I like the art direction and I like the style and, and, you know, the visuals, but they did have a technique where they would use they would have a a, a library of of animation footage right. of each character and basically <laughs> as as frequently as the story would allow they would reuse yeah. the same couple of seconds of footage right you know of of he-man rolling uh, to, <laughs> rolling out of the way of something or throwing somebody or 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 using his sword in a certain at a certain angle but i i liked it i i i i i liked the the look of their shows and um Lou Scheimer was a very big proponent of keeping the animation in the United States because at that time, a lot of animation was being outsourced to Japan and Korea and even Mexico. But he said, no, I want to keep all the animation in the United States. Um, I believe the only time they had to outsource, and, and he didn't want to, but they were just too backed up and they were too busy, was I believe the Zorro cartoon show. They they did outsource that to Asia. But but yeah, otherwise it was it was a... Made in the USA. They were also known for uh, the Sabrina, the Teenage Witch mm. cartoons from the 70s. Conan uh, the Barbarian. Yeah, they did a Brady Bunch <laughs> oh, <yeah>. cartoon. <laughs> right. They did Shazam. 
they did a Gilligan's Island. Remember the Gilligan's Island cartoon? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and and also, like you said, to save money, one of the things is, um, he would do uh, the the voice acting for different characters. Yeah. Because then, obviously, they they wouldn't have to pay additional voice actors. And actually, his daughter uh, Erica did some voices too. But Lou Scheimer was he he appeared in the credits under the pseudonym Eric Gundon. <laughs> so if you ever watch a uh, He Man and the Masters of the Universe or Shira or Ghostbusters, and you see under the credits for the voice actors Eric Gundon, that was Lou Scheimer. But he did uh, Orko. Yeah, Stratos, King Randor. Um, well, I mean, I think He Man was like four people did all the voices. It's like him, Alan Oppenheimer, and John Irwin. Yeah. <laughs> but they're great, yes, though. Right. Come on, great voices. He did He Man. He Man, you fool! <laughs> hey, Skeletor, Beast Man. <laughs> I love those voices. Well, Esteban always meets Alan Oppenheimer. What? Yeah, because he does oh, all those conventions. Man. We gotta go take a Punch Stevenson show trip to Florida. Well, he was at the uh, Rhode Island Comic Con. Oh, which wait, Esteban was in Rhode Island? No, no, uh, Alan Oppenheimer. Oh, all right. Uh... Esteban commented on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. Filmation also did an Aquaman cartoon. Yeah. (laughs) Well, look, I mean, Filmation, they had... uh, I think they did everything. They did Superman, they did Batman, they did... uh, Yeah. uh, Aquaman, they did Archie Comics, Groovy Ghoulies. (laughs) uh, I mean, they did everything. Lassie cartoon. The Secret of the Sword. They licensed everything. Oh, Secret of the Sword. That's um, a He-Man, Shira. Yeah. It's a, it's a, that's actually on Netflix streaming. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so they, they were kind of, they got a little bit of a bad reputation of, oh, they recycle everything and this and that. But in reality... I um, love it. Almost, I don't think any of their shows lasted more than two years, except for He-Man. Yeah. I don't even know. Actually, you know what? No, that was two seasons. So well, I mean, two seasons, but how many hundreds of episodes? Yeah. Because they at that time they were going directly to syndication. Right, but so anyway, so that that was the kind of their business model. Anyway, so Esteban commented on Facebook about uh, your how, what you sounded like <laughs> in some of the. Um, uh, which McCall in the uh, Chiller Theater? Yeah, the Chiller. Uh... How do you know this? I read it. How do you read this stuff? Because I figured out a trick. Ugh. I you hate Facebook. I know. Well, I know, but I checked the paunch stuff to stay on top uh, of things. Well, you know, you could like communicate with him, but no. Well, I don't have an account. Well, that's your fault. Anyway, so he was saying that. My disillusionment. When, yeah, my disillusionment. And when I was meeting the celebrities, like, hey, it's an honor to meet you. He, he said I was sounding very, like, <laughs> like ph- phony, I guess, ah. or whatever. Or, like, fed up. Yeah. 
and I will say when I met Larry Storch, I was not being sarcastic or fed up. I was, it really was an honor to meet him. This old man, he was very, very nice, very friendly, yeah. talking to me for free. I didn't pay him anything. Mm. Really nice guy. That that I was not being sarcastic. But like someone like Lou Ferrigno, you know, yeah. after our experience with him, yeah, I was being sarcastic about him. But but no, I mean Ralph Macchio and Weird Al and. I was being genuine. I, I mean, it really is cool to meet someone like Ralph Macchio, especially when the person is, of course, someone I like and who I've been a fan of for a long time, but especially when the person is also very warm and inviting and friendly in return. Like, yeah, it, it, it really is, even though like maybe Ralph Macchio had a long line and, and we couldn't talk to him for 10 minutes, but... It was very fast, but still, that, like, you know, 40-second interaction, I thought it was very nice, and it was nice to meet him. Yeah, all right, well. But at the same time, I mean, he's right. I was tired after dealing with Lou Ferrigno and, you know, maybe, I don't know. Like, I guess it was mainly him. Like, he just kind (laughs) of rubbed me the wrong way, and I got annoyed, but, you know, whatever. I had anyway. a good time. I was tired, and especially back to back Comic Con and Chiller Theater. It was just like I needed a break. Eh. So uh, I'm looking at um, some of the conventions that are coming up next year, and I have to I have to tell you who's coming to this one. Yeah. What? Wait, Chiller Theater? No. Well, no. They they you know them. They don't put the uh, they don't put the uh, listings anywhere near. Anywhere near now. Um, True. So, um, this is the Wizard World convention in Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. Now, there's a lot of uh, Walking Dead people uh, in this one. Alright. Uh, also, Ralph Macchio. <laughs> However, here's some interesting additions to this one. Uh, Sean Astin, you know, from The Goonies. Uh, the Hoff! David Hasselhoff will be there. Really? Mm-hmm. Does it have prices? Yeah, I won't even tell you what those are yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and, this is a big one. I can't believe he's actually doing this. One guess. Willie Ames. Big, oh, Ames. Mr. Why T. Would he, why, why would Willie Ames be a big one? For me... A big one for you, a 1990s sitcom star who you love for J- some reason. Jaleel White? Jaleel White! <laughs> Wait, where is this? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We could do that. Next June. Oh, in June? Mm. All right, I'm going to start saving. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jaleel White, Jaleel man. White. How long is his line going to be? Probably not that long. How, so how much is he charging? Uh, God, do I really have to look at the prices now? Do they have the prices? Let's see. If you click on it, uh, it's somewhere. Oh, nah, all right. It's, a, it's it. a very, uh, their prices are very, th- the only bad thing about this one is that, well, first of all, the admissions, you know, whatever, but uh, is that all, again, all of the damn people come up with the photo ops. 
So, you know, like the thing we did at, at New York Comic Con. So you can't, like, do the table pictures or anything. It's it's kind of annoying. Uh, anyway, so Jaleel White apparently is now doing the conventions. Wow. Which I'm surprised about because I always thought that he uh, he hated Steve Urkel. I don't no, I don't think he hates Steve Urkel. Alright, well. Did I do that? Laura, my pet. Come on, so, that's awesome. Imagine if I walk up to him and I do that. Oh god, I hope he punches you out. Hey Jaleel, it's me Rob <laughs> He'd be like, What is wrong with this guy? Uh, or we both did it. Uh, How's it going? <laughs> you know who they should? They should have Jaleel White and then right next to him, like how they did with um, Ralph Macchio and C. Thomas Howell. They should have Jaleel White and Reginald Vel Johnson. Ah, yes. And then you could get the combo. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, both guys. I would love that. Well. Oh, my God. I would. I would. I don't know what I would do. I would just be in shock. I'm surprised they haven't had Reginald Vell Johnson at the Chiller. Yeah, he'd be perfect for that. Anyway, so uh, what do I? What do we? What do we talk about now? A lot of stuff to get to. Do you remember? Too much. All right, real. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just crank this out. Mm-hmm. Do you remember in third grade? At da- down at the Grand Union Main Street strip mall in Belleville, New Jersey, the shoe store Fava. <laughs> Fava. F A V A. Yeah. Fava Fava. So, do you remember? There was one. Wait a minute. There was one of those across the river, and I was like an idiot. I was swinging around on this like this railing they had, yeah. and I slipped off and like smashed my head, and I thought my head was cracked open. <laughs> Jeez. Go to the hospital. Well, anyway, do you remember in third grade, you and I both had a the same pair of black sneakers from Fava, and the brand was Olympian. Wait, wait, hold on. How do you? First of all, how do you remember shoes you had, let alone shoes that I had? <laughs> because I remember we both had the same pair. And I see. Remember this. Normally, I wouldn't have remembered, but here's why I remembered: because we both had the same pair, and you said, "I remember." You said my mom didn't want me to get these because she said they look like old man shoes. What? (laughs) I think you're making this up. No, I'm telling you. I I vividly remember that moment in third grade. Why? I don't know. I thought it was funny. I don't. I thought it was interesting. The, what were they called? Olympian. Or Olympia, Olympian, <laughs> Olympia. And they were just solid black low-top sneakers. Really? Yeah. I don't remember this. <laughs> uh, I remember having... Ah, I just smashed my knee. I remember having, um... Like, low-top... Um, like canvas sneakers. These weren't canvas. They were no, but I had those. No, I had those when I was in like 
fifth grade or something like that because I remember I have a picture with me and our, some of my friends in my backyard and I'm wearing those shoes. It's kind of what sticks in my head, but otherwise I wouldn't have remembered that. Next. <laughs> okay. After that odd, uh, that odd story. Um, a, another very quick thing is I've been noticing a couple of people on TV, news, news kind of shows. For some reason, I don't know why, but some people on, on these TV news shows are have been saying... You know how if you want to say a dog or a person or a table... Yeah. If the word begins with a consonant, you use a. A table. A phone. But yeah. if the word begins with a vowel, you use an. An apple. An achievement. So I've been noticing these idiots on the news, they keep saying an historic. <laughs> it's like, wh why are you saying an historic? It's, I don't know. It's they a historic. Just, what is wrong with these people? Uh, they probably just think that it sounds better that way. I don't know. Stupid. All right, you go. <laughs> I have a you go? <laughs> it, it's built for economy, not speed. Who said that? Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Die Hard. Part three? Yeah. All right, go. You go. So, uh, these are these are old now. <laughs> Movie reviews I was going to do. Um, I saw World War Z okay. over the summer there. You know, I got it on the red box with uh, Brad Pitt. Right. Uh... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> okay, it's like a zombie movie. Uh, everybody is a zombie, but the big difference is that you know, like normally in the zombie movies, the zombies are really slow and lethargic, you right. know, and that kind of thing. Well, these zombies are like super fast, and they could like jump. They're like Superman. They could like jump over buildings and everything. It's what. <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> so when they want to, like, the, the the people who aren't infected, they keep putting these walls up. And then the zombies all, like, pile on top of each other and, like, keep piling and piling until they can get over the wall. <laughs> mm. Some kind of collective zombie sense. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> was really odd. It, but the I think the big thing about that one was it was based on a graphic novel... Uh, which was written, I believe, by um, um, Max Brooks, who is the uh, son of Mel Brooks. Mm. Mel Brooks, yes. Yes. 2,000-year-old man. <laughs> right. Uh, so that was interesting. And the other movie was another in the, the final apocalyptic movie of the year which uh, for me which was After Earth starring Will Smith? Smith Will Smith and his stupid son hmm. so now I know a lot of people saw this thing and they were like oh my god this Will Smith another piece of garbage uh, Scientology blah 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 um, I don't know where they got the Scientology thing from 
I think Will Smith is in there, but it really, I mean, it's just a, it had nothing to do with him. I mean, it was written by somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so basically, Will Smith, and well, actually, the whole human race in the future is attacked by some aliens, and they destroy the Earth. They make the Earth into this. It's unlivable because it's all these creatures, uh, these crazy, like prehistoric kind of looking creatures. It's too can't can't live there. Um, so all the humans leave, go somewhere else, and then they fight the aliens there. And then the aliens develop this creature that will kill you because it senses, and it can't see or hear you. It senses your fear. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. Maybe it's Freddy Krueger. Uh, <laughs> So, um, Will Smith is the first soldier who can go against them because he has no fear. Okay. Somehow, he, he can not have any fear. And that's how you have to beat them. So, they they had one of them, and they were traveling somewhere or other. And some problem happened. They went into this wormhole, and they popped out, and they wound up at Earth. And then they crashed the spaceship. And everybody's dead. Except Will Smith and his stupid kid. And then the creature that they had with them on a training mission gets loose. And the kid has to go and hike across like this, you know, vast wilderness because Will Smith is injured. And he's a chicken. <laughs> and so he has to find, make his way all the way through to, uh, to get this uh, radio so they could uh, call for help. Okay. And that's Wait, basically... He, he gets after. turned into a chicken? No. No. No, he is a chicken. So, uh... I don't know. I, I didn't think it was that bad. I, I, I don't, It's not a lot of rewatch value, but I know going in thinking, oh my god, Will Smith and his <laughs> son, this is going to be putrid. Right. And it actually wasn't that bad. Well... Wasn't that good. I think it would have been better... If, from the very beginning of the movie, it starred a live-action... Like, it was a totally normal sci-fi movie with people and and, yeah. and everything. But the star of the movie was a chicken <laughs> voiced by Will Smith. And the uh. chicken has to save the... Because the, the alien monster kills all the people or whatever, but it can't detect chickens. <laughs> or animated chickens. No, it would be a real chicken, just the oh, voice okay. would be Will Smith. Wait, who the hell wants to watch a movie about a real chicken? Saving Earth. What the hell's the chicken going to do? Cluck its way to find the radio? and <laughs> Because... No, it's the chicken and a team of soldiers. Oh. Okay. Come on, they got to make now, this. So are they, are they dressed, in, dressed in, like, the chicken outfits from, like, the baseball stadiums? The chicken? Yes, because the alien monster cannot detect chickens. Even fake chickens. Right. <laughs> and then that is the irony, is that the monster which detects if you if you are acting like a chicken, right. but cannot detect an actual chicken. Exactly. See? Let's write uh -huh. it. Come on, let's me and you, let's write it. It's like a riddle. <laughs> like a riddle. <laughs> what would we call that? Um, Not Chicken Run, that was with Bill Gibson. Run, no. 
Uh, yellow. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, sunny side the, up. What if the chicken was was voiced by Gilbert Godfrey? Uh, that would be Gilbert Godfrey. Cockadoodle <laughs> 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 doo. <laughs> Uh, I did see. I, we talked about this probably a few years ago, but the the Karate Kid remake with Will uh, Smith's son, Jackie Chan, and Jackie Chan, and it was on. This was probably like a few months ago or something. It was on cable TV, and I'm like, you know, I, there's nothing else on. Let me just see how bad this thing is. And I watched it, and I will admit. Maybe I even said this in a previous episode, but I will admit it was better. It wasn't great, but it was better than I was anticipating. <laughs> but low expectations. Low expectations. It was it was decent, but of course nowhere near the original Ralph Macchio Pat Morita version. No. It was you know what what they completely changed the entire story. It had nothing to do with the original one other well, it, than it, it, you had a boy. It never did. Yeah, right. The original script had nothing to do with the Karate Kid at all. Nothing. Well, it it was it very very loosely followed the same plot of the original Karate Kid movie, where mm. Will Smith's son is being bullied, and he and and Jackie Chan's like the old man in the in the town, and and they become friends, and Jackie Chan teaches him martial arts but uh, other than that very like the the very core premise of the movie other than that it is not a remake at all right which i know it sounds weird like well how is it not a remake if it's the same it's like it's uh, trust yeah, me yeah well trust they me, were, it's they totally were, different they were uh contemplating not calling it karate kid at all yeah but they decided to because again they thought it would be more money Right, of course. Uh, Next. Anyway, what I was going to get to about After Earth, and I, I told you this a couple of months ago. You know, I've been renting these movies off of the Redbox kiosk, you know, Blu-ray. And the Blu-ray player I have in my room is my PC. Mm. And I never had a problem. And then I went to play After Earth, and it would not work. Why? It just wouldn't work. It said, uh, your player is not compatible or something. So, basically, my Blu-ray software, which came with the PC, this Power DVD, whatever, had to be upgraded. Mm. However, my version was no longer supported, and to, for me to upgrade it would have cost me, like, $90. <laughs> what? You could yeah, just I'm buy a Blu-ray player. Exactly. So I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. So I tried other different. I tried other Blu-ray players. I eventually even downloaded a cracked version of this of the the Power DVD. Right. However, it still wouldn't work. So imagine if you had paid the ninety dollars. Oh, I would have killed somebody. The reason is that these idiots in Hollywood they put some kind of additional. Um, copy, you know, additional uh, security on it so that, because my player, you know, because my, it's not even my Blu-ray player. 
Not the drive. It's my video card. Mm. You know, my video card has the uh, two outputs. Right. And so I have, I think they're both, and because they're not HDMI, they're DVI ports. Um, there's, for some reason, there's some additional, like, hardware encryption that it needs that it doesn't have. And you can't add it to it. <laughs> it's hardware. Right. So because of that, the Blu-ray would not play at all. So here I am. I had I had legally paid to rent this Blu-ray, and because of these these moronic, you know, motion picture association over-the-top security, I could not play it on my computer, and so I was left to pirate the thing and download it off the internet. The movie. Yes. Yeah. Good. So, and here's a case where their their paranoia and their overzealousness resulted in more piracy. Yep. See? Which is what old people always say. So well, I'm wondering... The thing is, DRM only hurts yeah. the paying customer. No, it doesn't. Because I didn't pay, I didn't pay now. I won't pay anymore. No, 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 but you were originally a paying customer with, yes. the, with the disc. I, I'm not, yeah, I was doing the Redbox. I'm not doing it anymore. I can't right. trust but, it. It's but that's work. what I'm saying. DRM only ever, all it ever does is hurt the paying customer. Yeah. That's all it does. But in my case, it hurt me, but now I'm just going to, now I'll just torrent it. I don't care. Exactly. How am I going to watch it? I'm not buying a Blu-ray player. I don't have room for it. Got too many video game systems. <laughs> I know, but what I'm saying is, if you just pirate videos, yeah, well, they don't have DRM. It's been cracked, so you don't get hurt by the DRM. If you buy a disc and you bring it home and try to play it, the DRM hurts you because you paid for it. Right. So I'm thinking it doesn't now, make sense. What I'm thinking is, you know how a lot of these Blu-ray players you get now have internet connections. Yeah. So I'm thinking, if you don't plug your Blu-ray into the internet, you, your Blu-ray player, and you don't update it, couldn't that also become inoperable? Yes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Which is why mine is hooked up to the internet. <laughs> and it, it, it many times has done updates. Right. Yeah, I mean, mine was updating all the time, and then it just stopped. You know, they stopped... The, the software company stopped supporting it. Yeah. But actually, it, and in reality, like I said, it didn't matter because apparently the hardware in my computer, and I'm not getting a new video card. No. Um, doesn't want to work anymore. So I guess, yeah, I mean, technically, if I felt like it, I could get like the PS4 or the 360 and uh, or whatever the hell that, the X-Bone. Right. <laughs> Xbox One. Yeah, but to be you don't even have to do that because now like I got a Blu-ray player it was it was like $110. I know, but I like I don't have the room for it. So very very tiny, smaller than a Wii. But it doesn't matter. It take it requires me to plug it in. I I got too many things oh, plugged yeah. in. Right. But I'm just saying instead of spending $400 right. on a PlayStation 4 Right. You could just spend $100 on a Blu-ray player. Right, well. And it does Netflix and, and Hulu and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, all right, next, 
this is something I've wanted to talk about for a long time. This um, this show. Have you watched this show called The Goldbergs? No. On ABC, you've not watched it at all. Never heard of it. Ah. Is it current? What do you mean? Just came out this this year. Uh, no. What? Who's in it? Jeff Garwin. <laughs> what? What? Jeff Garwin. What? Why didn't you? Yeah, Jeff Garland. It Basically, um, it's this guy, Adam Goldberg, who's like a movie... Uh, I guess he, he wrote this, this show and all, created it. And he's I think he's a couple of years older than us, but basically he took a lot of like home videos when he was a kid. Uh, he grew up outside of Philadelphia, I think, and uh, in the 80s. And he kind of sort of writes like these crazy things that happened when he was a kid into into this TV show. Okay. So he's copying comedy. He's yeah. copying us. No, he's actually doing it. So how can he copy us? <laughs> well, we're we've been doing it for 8 years. Yeah, but not on the TV show. Not audio. <laughs> anyway, so uh Jeff Garland's in it. It's pretty funny. And the reason I started watching it was cuz this is like the first, I feel, authentic 1980s nostalgia TV show hmm. that anybody's done yet. I mean, there's been movies and stuff like that, but this one is, like, really, really nostalgic. Like, all of the clothes, the hairstyles, um, the cars, the TV shows, the music, all of the stuff that they have, all the toys... Right. It's all very period-specific. And it's pretty funny. Well, I guess so, I guess we're at an age... You and I are at an age now where that's going to slowly start to... Um, you know, make its rise into pop yeah. culture now because... Well... 20 years ago, you had the 19... The Wonder 60s, years. Yeah, 1960s... Uh, Revival. I mean, you had freaks and geeks, but that, uh, yeah. that was yeah. But that was like teenage. You know, that was like teenagers or whatever. You know. Yeah. And that was, was early. It? That was very early nineteen eighties. That wasn't Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. nineteen oh, eighties. No, no. That was like nineteen eighty one. Yeah. Atari. Yeah, and they were already teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's I what mean, I like mean. this show. The Adam Goldberg, you know, his, his cat, well, it's not even his, they don't even use his name, but, um, the kid, I want, like, they don't really give a year, and they kind of jump around on different things that happened in his childhood, but for the most part, I would say that it takes place, I would, it seems like I've kind of pieced together, it basically takes place in 1987. Okay. So, you know, we were in, like, the fourth grade at the time, and this kid, I think, is in, like, sixth grade or something like that. But he has an older brother on the show who is in a high school or just about, and an older sister. And uh, they get into all kinds of crazy jackpots. There's a, a grandfather on the show played by George Seagal, mm. who's pretty funny. Uh, the mom is really funny. She's very overbearing. Yeah. 
the father, Jeff Gar, played by Jeff Garland, is really, really short tempered and. <laughs> Um, is he like I, all all uh, like Michael Douglas Wall Street yuppie? No, no. Well, there were people like that in the 1980s. Yeah, but not in a the Pennsylvania suburbs. I'm just asking. Suburban. I'm asking. I'm just saying that if for me this is like I'm like looking at this. I'm like, wow, yeah, this is this 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 reminds me now of childhood. Well, we should get credit. <laughs> Some kind of acknowledgement. Oh, well. So, uh, I really like that show. Which you've never seen. Nope. How do you not, like, get, get hear about these things? Oh, that's right, you're not on Facebook. So? You're not even, like, part of the culture. Get at it. Let me no, tell you, you something about Facebook. You have no idea what's Let going on. Let me tell on. you something about Facebook. Facebook has jumped the shark. <laughs> just like MySpace and all these other websites. I know the kids don't like it. Teenagers are abandoning ship. It, it's 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 becoming the website for old people. Well, and I we're got old. out. I started the trend. I got out years oh, ago. You didn't three years ago. Yeah, and when we do the Digital Press podcast, everybody's like, hey, how do we know, how can we contact Rob? Email! Uh, Hello, email! Email? That's that's 20-year-old technology. Nobody emails anymore. Why? Because it's not quick enough. What do you mean? It's it's instant. Not with you. You reply three days later. Well, I would reply three days later on any system. Ah. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's email. Anyway. <clears throat> I have an invention. Oh, God. So, let's say you're at Can't home. Be good. Let's say you're at home. You're sleeping. It's the middle of the night. And someone breaks into your house. What do you do? You just gotta, you know, the person, you know, you just gotta let the person steal your stuff. Okay. Because, you know, you don't want to get hurt or anything. So you just have to surrender. So I have an invention. You keep it by your bed. And if someone breaks into your house in the middle of the night, it's a gun. (laughs) So you wake up, when you wake up, you grab the gun... You go into, like, I, I assume the living room or whatever room the burglar is in, and you point the gun at the burglar. And you say, you know, you better get out of here or I'm going to shoot you or whatever. And the person's like, no, I, I have a gun too. I'll sh- You put your gun down or I'm going to shoot you. That, that's what the burglar says. Okay. So you say, all right, fine, you win, don't hurt me. I'm putting the gun down. I'm going to kick it over to you. Here's my gun. Right? You 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 purposely give the burglar your gun. Okay. The burglar picks it up. And then now you purposely start running toward the burglar to attack the burglar. The burglar has your gun. And it's like, oh, God, this guy's running at me. I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot the homeowner. 
But here's the thing, it's not a real gun. Uh. So the, the burglar pulls the trigger and the gun electrocutes the burglar. Well, why wouldn't he just shoot you with his own gun? Because it's all happening so fast. Oh, what the t- I, I don't know if I want to take that chance. But isn't that a good idea? No! A terrible idea. Why? It backfires. On yourself! No, on the burglar. Oh, there's no guarantee of that. Well, alright, whatever. I mean, it'd be better off if it electrocuted him when he picked the gun up. Not when he went to shoot you with the gun. The stupidest know, thing I've but, ever heard. But how do you... But Somehow the electrocution has to be activated. Yeah. You hit a button while you're holding it and you dep- you press it in. All okay? right. That activates it. Then you throw your gun on the floor and so when you let go of that switch, pressure switch, um, it actually arms itself. I see. Then when the next person goes to pick it up, it electrocutes him or something. I, or, alright, that's, that's, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Another variation on that is, same premise, you have the gun, the burglar says, drop your gun or I'll, I'll kill you and your family. You drop the gun, you kick it over to him, he picks it up, but it doesn't, It, it th- this is a variation, so forget the electrocution. He picks up the gun. You start running at him. He's he's really flustered. He goes to shoot you with with the gun that you just gave to him, but instead of the bullet shooting you, the bullet actually comes back out at him and shoots him in the face. <laughs> it comes from the back of the gun. Uh... So it's a it's really a backwards gun. What do you think about that? <laughs> A and then, and and he's so startled and so confused that he keeps going to shoot again, and he just keeps shooting himself. <laughs> okay, come on, isn't that good? How come I, nobody? I guess. How come nobody in the history of the universe has thought of this? I don't know. I mean, normally the people who who have guns in their house in the very low possibility that a burglar will come in. And you'll be able to get at the gun at the time. Usually think, you know, usually consider having the gun. The reason to have it is so they can shoot the burglar. I know, but this way the burglar... And not have to worry about tricking them. (laughs) This way the burglar shoots himself and you don't have to go on trial. Alright, now how about this one? What if there's two burglars? Then you have two guns. Oh, come on! The first one's going to have that happen to him, and the second one's going to be like, oh, or I'm not falling for that, boom, you're dead. No, this, then the second one picks up the second one and gets electrocuted. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's just... Uh, Trick guns. This this would work in, like, a Leslie Nielsen movie. <laughs> would not work in real life. I think it would. All right, anyway, what else uh, do you have? Uh, the last thing I was going to say for this episode was, uh, I don't, have you seen this, the movie that I sent you? No. Ah! (laughs) Come on, it's been like a month! I know, I forgot. This is what I mean, totally unprepared. (laughs) I forgot, you didn't remind me. 
How, I, I heard, told like, you seven I, times. I heard the music. Even Esteban saw this thing. He's telling me on Facebook about it. I heard the music. And? That's the important thing. I guess so. And I like it. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm, I was playing some of it at work the other day. Oh, boy. On the loudspeaker? Yeah. And what did people say? Uh, they, they thought it was fine. Did you say who it was? Well, no, because they're into, you know, yeah, these right. people are ten years younger than we are. They're into Lady Gaga and Katy that Perry. That doesn't matter. So the this guy's music was from before we were born. I know, but the fact that they, they didn't have any any reaction to it is good. Because it wasn't a negative reaction. It wasn't like, turn this garbage off. I mean, if you play the Beatles, they tell you to turn the garbage off. No, but that's the Beatles. Anyway, so... so Alright, so I'm spoiling it for you. Too bad. <laughs> it's fine. Alright, so... This this was a documentary. It won the Academy Award 2012 for the best documentary. Searching for Sugar Man. Right. And it's it's about this um, this musician from Detroit called Rodriguez, played by Steven Seagal. <laughs> what? Not uh, doesn't that wouldn't that be awesome? No, <laughs> he's just the the voodoo or mojo priest or whatever he is, the glimmer man. <laughs> um, Sorry, so it's what was his first name? Sisto. Yeah, Sisto Rodriguez. So this guy um, was born, I think, in like 1942. And so he was a folk singer um, in Detroit, late 60s. Basically, like, playing in, like, bars and, you know, dive bars and some really seedy places uh, in Detroit, in the ghetto. Mm. So, basically, uh, the guy goes and great has, writes, he writes these incredible lyrics, very, very political, uh, very substantive. And it's a very good the time he had a very nice voice you know it's 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 very unique um it kind of sounds like a jim croce kind of a voice well to me he sounds like a much much more listenable bob dylan <laughs> his music uh, is good all right so hold on so the the plot of the movie basically is that this guy did the he he came he did a couple albums with some pretty you know Fairly uh, uh, well-known producers when? back in the early 70s. Yeah. 1970, 71. And even though those producers and the, and the small record label that he was on, they thought this guy was, like, incredible. Nobody ever heard about him <laughs> in the United States. Wow. Ever again. Like, his record never sold nothing. And it was a lot of, like, bad luck, you know. The record label he went to was too small. It, it had didn't have any pull. Um, it couldn't even distribute its own records. It had to do it through another company 
which kind of put the emphasis on their own artists. Well, they <laughs> they didn't pay the DJs to play the music. Whatever on the radio. No, the pro. Well, the problem was they tried to get him on the radio, and they they did. They weren't doing like FM. Like at the time, FM was very underground, and it was it played a lot of this underground kind of music, and they didn't go to there. You know, they didn't try there. Plus, Rodriguez, this guy was very eccentric, so he didn't really. Um, he didn't really go along with a lot of the produce, a lot of the publicity stuff. You know, like they brought him to L.A. He was gonna play before some, some like you know, some like local uh, music people, maybe some DJs or something. And he did this thing that he was doing in Detroit, where he got up on stage and he played with his back to the audience. Mm. They didn't like that. Plus, he had this really, really, really left-wing political guy or something uh, stand up on stage and give this, like, lecture before he went on. And Well, it's better that, than, uh, you know, it's better than Eric Clapton. Well. <laughs> and, Eric Clapton and, and his political tirade. That was many years ago. He was very high on heroin. He still and, believes in that. Well, it doesn't matter, but he was still... I know. All right, I'm, he could say I'm, whatever he wants. Great musician, so people will listen. Well, anyway, no, well, the problem is they didn't listen, which is, I mean, the problem, to, the problem, not not the problem. The problem for him is that they didn't. Yes, listen. they didn't listen, which was so, which was good that that they didn't listen. What? It's good that people didn't listen to Eric Clapton's oh, Eric racist Clapton. tirade. Mine political tirade. Anyway, so. Rodriguez does the albums, they go nowhere, and he kind of slips out of the music scene, and he actually, uh, well, I'll get to that later, but he slips away, and basically, this guy works in, like, you know, the house construction business for, like, the next 30 years. Yeah. And everybody forgets about him. Construction worker. Well... At some point in the early to mid-70s, somehow, some cassette or something recording of him finds its way into Australia, finds its way to South Africa, and he becomes this legend, particularly in South Africa. You know, like, right, they say he's bigger than Elvis. You know, just as big as the Beatles and Rolling Stones. (laughs) What? Rodriguez, Rodriguez in South Africa, amongst a certain group of people. Again, not the whole country, amongst the uh, young white uh, people there, who began in the seventies and into the eighties to fight against the apartheid movement, uh, which was basically South Africa was essentially a Nazi country. (laughs) Okay, the government was fascist. Um, It was. very, very bad against the native uh, Africans. And um, the Rodriguez music, which was, you know, his music was talking about American civil rights and, you know, anti-Vietnam War. And they kind of picked up on those things and they kind of ran with it. And you might say, well, how come, people might say, well, how come you know, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or Neil Young, or, 
you know, The Who, uh, you know, some of these other, you know, John Lennon stuff, a really anti-establishment kind of music. How come this wasn't big? And one of the reasons is in South Africa, again, it was highly censored. So the music would come in and they wouldn't allow them to sell it there. They wouldn't allow them to play it on the radio. And for whatever the reason, this Rodriguez stuff became like the top of the the bootleg and became very popular. So, and I guess because they figured, all right, well, this guy did a couple of albums. Nobody ever heard from him again. We've never heard from him again. So he must be dead. <laughs> right. And so all these, these rumors and stories started coming up that he shot himself on stage. He lit himself on fire on <laughs> stage. Come on. One way or the other, he's dead. Shot himself on stage. <laughs> yeah. So one way or the other, this guy's dead. He's long dead. Maybe he Fast, he, he had the backwards gun and thought he was shooting the audience. <laughs> Fast forward into the 90s, and finally the apartheid movement is defeated. Nelson Mandela is released from prison, becomes president of South Africa, and all of the censorship is gone. At that time, they re-release uh, in CD form the Rodriguez music. And this guy, who was a big fan, um, this guy, they call him Sugar, because his name was like Seegerman, and people said, oh, it sounds like Sugarman, so they called him Sugar. Um, this guy wrote the liner notes for the CD, and he says on it, you know, we have no information on this guy. If anybody, if there's any, you know, musical historians out there who could shed light on it, you know, be our be my guest or something. So this other guy, somewhere else in South Africa, reads this and says, "You know what? I'm I'm a you know he was a journalist. I'm going to try and find out about this guy. How did he die?" Now at the same time, they didn't know what his real first name was. They thought his name was was Jesus or Jesus Rodriguez. Okay. Or as in South Africa, they called him Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. You say it. Wadwiguez. <laughs> so anyway, th that's what they thought his name was. Now the backstory to that was, if you go on his first album, which was Cold Fact by Rodriguez, he had some issue with some with one of the uh, um, the pub. You know, the, the I don't know if it was the publisher or or what the deal was from a previous single that he'd put out. And so, to get around, like, you know, having to pay, like, getting into royalty fights, he didn't put his name Sixto Rodriguez on any of the things. He put other people's names. He put his brother's names. Huh. And so, that's why the people in South Africa didn't realize that, you know, didn't have his actual name. So, here they are looking for Jesus Rodriguez and how he died. So, this is in, like, 1997, very early... Uh, era of the World Wide Web, and they put a website up with this guy, you know, with Rodriguez's face on a milk cart and saying, where is this guy? You know, how did he die? Somehow, this website got viewed by his, Rodriguez's daughter in the United States, and she replied on to the web forum, she's like, hey, uh, I see, you know, you got my dad's picture on here. Uh, that that's I'm his daughter, you know, and they were shocked by this. 
And the big reveal is, you know, midway through the movie is that he's actually not dead. Ah, so that means... Yes! You hear this? Help me! Get me out of here! My God! This man's not dead! This man is not Mm. dead. He's not dead. So, that's a big reveal. And then... It's a re- very heartwarming in that here's this guy, you know, dead broke, lives in this shot-out house in Detroit, and one day and the next day, these guys find him, and somehow, within a couple of months, he arrives in South Africa to tour. Wow. And he shows up, and he's playing all of his songs, and they show that. It's great. And um, that was in 1998. Okay, so and but with the way, so hold on. So did he still have a guitar? Did he still play oh, yeah. music? Yeah, was he still involved in music? Like, what was the story? Well, I mean, he would still play like the local bars here and there. Oh, okay. You know, but the other thing was, and this is something Esteban brought up to me, and I knew about this. Is one of the critiques of the movie is that the movie kind of makes it. I'm not going to say it's disingenuous. But they ignore some things. And the reason they ignore it is that, like, for instance, Rodriguez was very popular in Australia in the, in the 70s. And one of the reasons that people believe that is that there were a lot of people who fled South Africa and fled the oppression there, and they wound up in Australia. And so a lot of those people liked Rodriguez, and so that, that kind of grew into a movement in Australia... And because Australia was a free country, they actually were able to get a hold of Rodriguez and say, "Hey, you know, why don't you come, you know, come uh, play the music?" And this was like 1979, 1981. He did tours of Australia, yeah, um, which he made a little money on. But that was it. You know, that was it until 1998. And here, this guy shows up, plays all the, plays this tour, and then over the next several years, he plays. South Africa a couple of times. He goes back to Australia. He goes to Europe. Um, And then he starts around three years ago. He starts playing more like around the United States. And yet still nobody's ever heard of this guy. In most of Europe and the United States. Right. And so this Swedish guy was backpacking around the world looking for stories to make a documentary on. And he somehow stumbled upon this, you know, Rodriguez story with these two guys in South Africa who had, you know, spent several years trying to find him. And he stumbles on it and he says, you know what, this would be a great movie, documentary. So this guy has been trying, was trying to make the documentary for like four or five years. You know how some of these things are, it's very difficult, you need, you need a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. And he was trying to get Rodriguez to agree to, and he wouldn't agree to it. Why? Yeah, you know, again, because he's very eccentric. He he didn't really like want the publicity. I guess I don't know. So finally, got him to agree to it. So they made this 2012. So in the at the end of the movie, there you show they show this guy Rodriguez who's still living in this this dump. <laughs> In Detroit, and you're like, what? What is he? Why is this guy living like a bum? And so, at the end of the film, they say, you know, he's done a bunch of tours, 
Um, they, you know, uh, a few years ago, Light in the Attic Records re-released his two albums. Um, so finally, he could get like royalties that he'd never gotten before. He, you know, they never gave them to him. You know, yeah. nobody knew about it. In South Africa. So, and he's done a number of tours. And they said in the movie, you know, oh, he gave away whatever money he made from the tour to his family, to his friends. And so you're sitting there thinking like, okay, well maybe he didn't make, he must not have made that much money from the tours and from the CD sales. But in reality, I think I don't know how true this has been. In reality, he may well have made over a million dollars. So well, that's he I think didn't what, want it. Well, that yeah, that's the thing. He he still lives like a bum basically. Yeah, but good. That was the thing. Like Esteban was like, you know, it's a little dis. You know, they they kind of leave that out of the story, and I'm like, yeah, I know, but. It's it's he's not living in a mansion, no. And what annoyed me was, I'm not kidding you. I saw this this movie on Stars, the movie channel, and I saw it. And a couple days later, as I was researching this guy, I'm like, who is this guy? I'm looking, I'm going on YouTube, and I see all these performances he's been doing the last few years. And I also uh, saw the um, there. There's a uh, a documentary that was done in South Africa like 12 or 13 years ago called "Dead Men Don't Tour," which was the name of his tour. Ah, <laughs> which is very clever. In 1998, and they show like the behind the scenes of that tour and the performances are very nice. Um, I'm watching all this stuff, and then I realize I'm like, holy cow! That same week, he was doing a show at Radio City mm. in New York, which was sold out. Ah, uh, sold out? Sold out, Radio City. I thought no one's ever heard of him. Well, well, after the doc, remember the documentary came out, oh, you know, almost two years ago now. Right. Yeah. So people know about that. So it was sold out, and um, then he was also doing a show at the Barclay Center, which is where you saw Paul McCartney. That's right, love. Yeah, and uh, he was doing one there, but it it was on a Thursday night, and I don't feel like going all the way to Brooklyn <laughs> Thursday night. But anyway, this guy is like 71 years old now, and he doesn't sing all that great anymore. Um, plus, he has glaucoma, so he can't see really good. Oh, uh, really? And like his daughter, who manages him, or, or you know, she's kind of like you know. He gets so many requests to play all over the world. They all want him. And he wants to go and play, but she's very concerned about his health. Right. You know, 71. You know, it can't be just traipsing all over the world. And plus, he never spends his money on, on himself. Right. He's living in this this dump. Oh, good, though. That's, that's how people should live. <laughs> so she's like, you know, we try and take care of him. She, she for, she's like, a couple of years ago, they finally forced him... They forced him to get a cell phone. <laughs> so we could call him. Because and otherwise... interview him on the show. Because otherwise they said they got tired of having to drive around the neighborhood looking for him. <laughs> well, this is something I brought up on, a, on the podcast a long time ago. How when we were kids, and if you, want, if you wanted to go play with your friend or something... Like, they had home phones. We all had our house phones. But uh, half of the time we would just drive or like ride our bikes around the neighborhood you'd look looking for your friend like oh where is he yeah he's, you ring the doorbell he's not home right? then you gotta go look for him so they forced him to get a cell phone and she also said when they fly when he flies to other countries and around the country uh, they force him t into first class <laughs> you know so that he's comfortable 
because right. I can't see that well. But um, yeah, un- un- I-, I watched the documentary. I was floored by it. I said, this is the best documentary I've seen in a long time. And then Esteban, I don't know if he saw my Facebook post about it or just watched it on his own. He all of a sudden is posting on Facebook that this is the best documentary he's ever seen. All right, well, now I will be... Searching for Sugar Man, I will which be you number not three. Seen. But I did, I did um, play the... On our way to Chiller, I played you all of his songs. Well, most of them. Yeah, they were good. I mean, I'm listening to this stuff, and this is recorded for over 40 years ago, and again, nobody's ever heard of it. And I'm like, this... Some of this guy's songs... I mean, some of them sound a little like Bob Dylan stuff, a little like Jim Croce stuff. Um... In, in the way that this guy writes and, and the, the songs, I'm like, nobody's ever sounded quite like this guy before. Or after. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm listening to stuff and I'm like, are they sure, like, like for instance, um, you know that, that movie that I like, Still Crazy? Yeah. With Bill Nighy? Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's kind of like a rock, it's kind of like a Spinal Tap, where it's like a rockumentary type thing, a fake one. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did a lot of original songs. Jeff Lynne from uh, ELO did them. Right. And he did them in a way to like make them sound like they were, were written in the 70s. Yeah. But even though that's what he did, and the movie was from the late 90s, you can kind of tell that it's still not... It doesn't exactly sound like something from the 70s. It's close, but not quite. Right. And that's what this guy's stuff sounds like. It's almost like... You know, I'm I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He didn't write this in the 70s. This is from, like, the, the 90s or more recent. It, it, I don't believe this. Believe it. I, I know. I got to believe this. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Documentary is fantastic. Searching for Sugar Man. Uh, the first album he put out, it's, it's in CDs uh, for a number of years now. Uh... In Light in the Attic Records is Cold Fact, and the second one was Coming from Reality. Rodriguez! There's also the soundtrack for Searching for Sugar Man is out there as well. And you had something to say about the Light in the Attic uh, Records. Their technique. Uh, <laughs> you didn't like any, it? Or any, any, well... A little cheap. For, no... The the CDs put out by them that I have listened to, I, I don't think I've listened to them all, but the ones that I've listened to, I can tell mm. that basically they found, I guess, a, a, a really good conditioned vinyl record, an old vinyl yeah. record, and, and it, they just digitized it. All right. So, in well, other words, instead of going back to the original master tape recording, because I guess, yeah. again, from what I've seen, this record company, A Light in the Attic, releases a little bit more obscure stuff. So it's yeah. not like, hey, we want to re-release Beatles records. All right, go to EMI in London and right. and go through, you know, go to the master tapes. Yeah. No, this is more obscure stuff. It's like, well. This guy bounced from label to label. They, this label got bought out by this company, yeah. and then that. Who knows where the master tape is? So exactly. And so let's just track down a good condition old vinyl record and just 
just digitize it. Well, the other thing is, even if you found the tapes, it, it's, I mean, it costs you money to, to you know, go back through those and, and oh, reproduce yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, some people, you know, they may not want to do that because, you know, it costs too much money. I mean, it sounds pretty good, you know. Yeah, but, no, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds perfectly good enough yeah. to enjoy it and to to buy the CD or download the MP3s and and uh, you know go on iTunes or whatever and just enjoy the music. Black hole. 
Chicken was was voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, that would be. Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Cockadoodle doo. <laughs>